everybody. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And there's been a lot of cool things in the THC space lately, particularly as it comes to beverages. And I'm here with Ryan Petz today, and he is the co-founder of Fulton. And Fulton is a dear love of mine. A Sweet Child of Vine is still one of my favorite beers, as well as the Lonely Blonde. And you guys were one of the original uh, craft breweries in the North Loop. And you guys are now getting into the THC game. And I'm excited to talk to you because your press release had a little bit different twist on something that I'd never really thought about, which was the packaging of these drinks. So welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And also, I don't know if you really intended to, but thanks for including me amongst cool people doing cool things. So I did. You, exciting you guys and were, rare that I'm in that company. You were pretty original on the cool side, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> your tap room has always been a real welcoming place. As the Minnesota Twins came into your area and it started to become more of baseball fever and the North Loop expanded and... I mean, what a great location for you guys. Yeah, it's really kind of the the heart of our brand, even though the company Fulton is named after the neighborhood we started homebrewing in in Southwest Minneapolis. A lot of people probably don't even know that, uh, but they know us for the North Loop Taproom for being neighbors with the twins. And it's been really fun to have uh, started brewing and building out that place back in 2010 when, like you said, Target Field just came in and really watched the neighborhood kind of grow up around us like we used to have a great view from our brewery and now well it's a different view but it's just a view of a lot of big tall buildings that are way bigger than ours yeah I used to work right across the street in the designers guild building and oh yeah worked there for 12 years and boy that area has changed so much absolutely tell me about craft brewing just kind of state of the state of where we're at from your perspective you guys have been one of the the leaders and heritage there for a while. And we sort of are at one place and now we're adopting this new THC driven product that's bringing us to the next place. Kind of give me just a little bit of where you feel like craft brewing is today and why this evolution of the THC drinks is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll kind of try and start back near the beginning for us, uh, just uh, how, how the industry evolved. As, as we've been in it, you know, we started in 2009. And at that time, I think we were the 12th brewery in the state. And within a couple of years, there was a few dozen more. And it was like, wow, this just exploded this. We couldn't imagine how much bigger it was about to get, but we thought it had already really sort of mushroomed. Um, there are 200 and some breweries in, in Minnesota now. Um, I think there were maybe a thousand breweries in the U.S. Uh, just less than 15 years ago. And now there are about 10,000. So we were at Fulton, very fortunate to have, um, I, I won't say we saw it coming, but we started right as it was, that wave was really starting to happen. And so we were able to, to be a, a big part of that here in the state. And it's been, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's been an incredible learning experience um, to see how not just our industry, but people who occasionally enjoy beer or are beer enthusiasts have really, um, kind of grown along and and you know years ago it was like we had to tell people what craft beer was now everybody knows and what it is and has opinions on it has a favorite brewery in their neighborhood so it's it's really evolved so much and um 
along with that, I mean, I think it's, it's great as a consumer and an enthusiast of beer, which I'm definitely still count myself among those two, to have really all the options you could ever ask for at a lot of liquor stores and a lot of bars and restaurants, not just a, a handful, um, like it was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and you know, that, that process happened, um, from, you know, 2010 to over the last 10 years or so, but it's, um, it's changed a bit in some ways in that, uh, while it's definitely proliferated, it's kind of, um, the growth in our industry, at least in terms of number of breweries and overall craft beer being produced, uh, in the U S has sort of, uh, was starting to sort of mature, let's say, um, by 2020. And then of course, I think we all remember some weird stuff happening in early 2020 that changed all of our lives. And, uh, it definitely, that's, that's been true in the brewing industry too, in which, um, Fulton, like most small breweries, uh, is really reliant on getting people together to drink beer in a physical place. And that obviously stopped happening for the large part for most people in early 2020 with the pandemic. Um, and you know, what I mean by that is bar sales, restaurant sales, and of course our tap room, like we were just talking about, that's a huge percentage of our business. Like over half um, right. of our beer is sold through a keg of some sort, whether it's at our tap room or at a bar or restaurant. And again, this is true for a lot of the industry. And so to have seen that, uh, just be wiped out entirely uh, for the early part of the pandemic and then kind of come back and then be go to nothing again, as we're all balancing shutdowns and everything that means for our lives. That's been a, a really, really challenging time to be in the business along with, you know, the, the buzzwords for the last couple of years of supply chain issues and inflation. I mean, we don't even probably want to get into that stuff, uh, but it's, it's been, uh, it's made a, a really, resurgent, exciting industry, much more challenging for a couple of years. And so you get to present day or early, earlier in 2022, where, um, I don't think very many people were expecting the Minnesota legislature to pass some THC legislation in part anyway. And, um, that presented a really exciting opportunity for our industry and for a lot of other folks too, of having the ability to make uh, an entirely new kind of product that we're all really well equipped to to do, and you know, I think most or many anyway uh, craft beer consumers have encountered uh, legal THC or otherwise uh, at some point in their in their life uh, in other states or 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 here, and um, to have it all of a sudden officially legalized in Minnesota in a form again that we're like, well, we can we can do that and we can make a really tasty beverage that um, in a lot of ways. And I think in our opinion, it's very similar to the experience of drinking a beer. And so it's, it's just a really cool opportunity to kind of recover some of what uh, the pandemic took away from a lot of businesses like ours. I was at Certix um, last weekend with a book signing and they were just talking about the proliferation and the growth of the category. And everybody's kind of, on the down low, sort of, because, you know, we don't really have all of this legislated, but it's legislated enough that people yeah. are just sort of letting it hang there. And then we may even see more legalization in a more official capacity coming down the road. I suspect we probably will. Was it hard for you to decide to jump into that pool when it's sort of like it got backdoored at the legislature, if we just want to call it that? 
And all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, you can have these things now that are legal, but there's all these other things that maybe aren't still legal. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you know the question was it was it hard for us to decide to jump into? Yes and no. Uh, in that, yes, in that it, for our entire lives and well prior to that, it's been an illegal product uh, in this state and and for most of that time in, in in entire country. So there's you know just wrapping your mind around the idea that OTHC is legal in Minnesota now uh, is just it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, at first. And for us, especially in the alcohol industry, we're highly regulated and everything, you know, there are, uh, state city, federal agencies, multiple ones that regulate various aspects of how we operate issue licenses, stuff like that. And this is kind of very familiar to us. Uh, so when THC was legalized, you know, we're obviously, we talked to attorneys talking to other people within the industry and it's like, surely there's some reason we can't do this, even though it's been legalized. Right. Like we kept being like, are are we sure we can do this? And it's like, who, like, who are we supposed to ask permission for that from that we haven't already, but no, it's just legal. We can do this. So um, after that kind of just like that head check of like uh, making sure it is in fact something that we can do. We looked at each other, talked amongst as ourselves as owners and be like, well, yeah, of course we're going to do this because you know, getting back to uh, we talked about the legislative side a little bit, the business side opportunity, but um, from a, a product to to consume and enjoy, uh, I, like I said, I think it's it's actually very similar to what we've already been doing for for almost fifteen years now of making uh, a tasty liquid beverage that um, makes you feel kind of good when you have one or two, and that you can share an experience with uh, a friend over and. That's that's always been at the core of what we've tried to do at Fulton is bring people together, get people in a space and connect over the things we agree and disagree on. And now there's uh, a new way for us to do that uh, that isn't just alcohol based because alcohol and beer isn't necessarily for everybody. And that's fine. But if if uh, if you've been looking for something like a THC beverage is like now now we can participate in that way, too. Who do you think is the demographic? Because I think. I kind of thought it would be one way and now I'm maybe thinking it'll be another, like, who are you seeing that these products are really for? That's a great question that we're still trying to figure out ourselves. I think, yeah, I think we all probably have some of our own uh, preconceived notions of, of, Oh yeah, I know who's going to love this. And, And I'm thinking of a friend of mine who she's, she's, way more up to speed on, on just THC uh, generally than, than most people I know didn't even realize it was legal till I told her we were making a, a beverage. And she's like, what, that's legal. I'm like, yeah, haven't you been paying attention? And meanwhile, there are other people who you wouldn't expect at all. I heard a story from uh, somebody else who's kind of in the business now saying, yeah, you know, there was a, at an event recently, there was an 80 year old woman who came up to us saying, I'm so glad you're making this now. My, you know, I, I haven't had a dealer for 20 years. And so it's like, they didn't expect her to come up and say that to them either, you know? So yeah. I think it's, it's a wider demographic than a lot of people expect. Yeah. Sure because I think, you know, we, in my mind, I was like, oh, young people, you know, cause that, yeah. you know, goes to a tap room and, and not even, but then like, 
I was talking and it's like, oh no, it's kind of the 50 and 60 year old people that are really into it. And they're their like original potheads as it were. Yeah. And yeah. maybe have less stigma about THC in general. And then there's like this whole pool in the middle, which I guess I'd put myself in this pool. Like we came of age in the Nancy Reagan years where she told us to just say no, or we were going to end mm -hmm. up, you know, picking scabs in a closet. And so we did. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not a big THC user, but not because I know much about it. I just was always kind of scared to be honest. And now that stigma is going away. So I'm like, oh, hey. And my daughter is very versed in THC and, you know, always points out to me the, the amount of alcoholism and the amount of mental health with alcohol. And we are still, a lot of research needs to be done probably in THC and probably the legalization of it will pro create that opportunity, right? Because we won't have this sort of boogeyman in the closet who you slip your money under the door. It'll be much more forward-facing. And I, you know, why not? Why not? You know, people are, do I think that the world is all of a sudden going to be full of THC users? Probably not. You know, I think I've heard that the percentage will be anywhere between 11 and 17% of adults, but that's a big slice of the market. And why shouldn't the folks in Minnesota have a piece of that? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I'll leave it to others for the the why not argument uh, because you know I think there are well there's there's a lot of nuance to them but I mean it's it's already been here for a long time either way right and people are who really want it are finding their way to it now there's another more uh, legal and and official means to it and I think you know the the interesting thing about who the demographic that might find it like I definitely don't count myself amongst the uh, kind of like you, like the super, super knowledgeable, long history of, of, of THC use. But um, I think there's a ton of people that are, yeah, I'll, like when I go to Colorado or California or other legal states, it's like, sure, it's something fun to try. And, and uh, but they're never, never buying it here at home because it, they're, they just don't like have, uh, you know, their dealer or their, right. their access to it. Now, when they can pick it up at their local liquor store or tap room or, or wherever they shop from a supplier that they have already bought stuff from, let's say that they trust and know it's, it's, yeah, it's like a, it's a new consumer that wasn't necessarily buying here. Yeah. And I think I heard, uh, there's still some people that are arguing against the legalization and they're one of the pros of legalization is you can regulate it, right? You Alcohol is regulated right. up the wazoo. So you could create regulatory systems. So quality control could be in check, which right now, you know, one of the reasons like people think they're buying ditchweed when they do end up buying pot in California or somewhere else. And it's like, oh, this is not the same pot that you were growing, you know, in, in your backyard in a pot that you were trying right. to hide. It's very different. So if we can get some regulatory systems around it, then we can have studies and we can have laws and we can understand the impacts and also have a tax base that can provide some income and throw off some income for people that maybe are abusive. We don't know, you know, maybe need services down the road. It's all just a really interesting space. One of the things in your press release that really struck me was the packaging of this. Tell me about right. what you're doing a little bit different and why it's important. 
Yeah. So uh, we have a little tagline that's right on our packaging saying uh, that grass is better in glass or grass belongs in glass. And uh, so we use glass bottles for our, our THC beverages. Right now we have a lime flavor out and we're also coming out with a blood orange flavor. Um, and yeah, you're right. Normally we don't talk about the packaging as one of the selling points with our beers, for example. Be, um, we, we at Fulton, we produce beer in bottles, cans, and, and kegs too, of course, um, because it's it really shouldn't make a difference. And it's kind of a consumer preference as to what you like um, to drink out of in that case. With the THC beverage, based on the research we've we've uh, been able to learn, is that the the liners in cans, which help uh, are in all cans that help the uh, protect the the packaging from the beverage and vice versa. It's, a, it's there for a reason and it's a good reason. Uh, but with THC, at least um, some can liners uh, can actually kind of absorb the THC out of the liquid and uh, degrade the potency of the beverage over time. Um, there's a lot of industry research going on as to why that, um, how to improve that, because there's a lot of great reasons to drink anything out of a can. But what we do know is that glass is uh, inert and it doesn't have that liner and it doesn't have that same issue. Um, and so we, uh, just like with our beer, we're really quality focused at the brewery. We want to make sure that it's consistent, um, whether you pick it up uh, directly from us or whether you find it out at a store and whether it sits in your fridge for a day, a week or a month. And putting in a glass bottle was the way that we were able to assure that it's is going to be as potent as it says on the label. Um, you know, whether you drink it now or down the road a while. It's if you think about it from an experience standpoint, because it, it, I mean, even more so than a craft beverage, a craft beer, what that potency is, is really important and really impacts how the user is using the product. And if, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of anxious about it, to be honest, because what's a two and a half percent, some are like, and then some are 5%. And now we're even seeing some that are hover, hovering towards closer to 10%. And what does that mean? And if the product degrades over time in a can that you buy at a liquor store or in a tap room, then is it really that you're getting 4% and it's like, oh, that's the sweet spot for you. But then you end up with an 8%. Like, it's just, it's so all over the board. Not unlike, you know, wines, you know, have different alcohol right. percentages. Beers have different alcohol percentages. I know if I go to your place, I can have two sweet childs and then I got to call it quits because I know yeah. how much alcohol is in those two. And I know what I can manage, you know, versus sometimes you go to these other um, craft breweries and you have a, you know, their IPA and you find out later, oh, that was 12%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great point you bring up. And it's something that it's pretty like on the alcohol side, for the most part, I think most craft brewers are stating what their alcohol contents are because it's one of the most important things uh, that a consumer wants to know for the exact reason you just described. We all kind of know, oh yeah, uh, this is how this is going to affect me. Um, and so there, I think we're all looking for that parallel on a THC beverage side, which is why I think it's really, really important for us to be as accurate as we can because, I mean, again, using the parallel to alcohol, I think it would be crazy for us to sell you a beer that was 5% alcohol today and 2% in 
two months from now. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen with alcohol, but that is exactly what can, kind of can ha- happen on the milligrams of THC side over time if it's not uh, packaged and, and cared for correctly. And so um, I think, you know, we want to be a leader in this new part of the industry and be able to deliver exactly what you expect from the product. And, it, you know, it's concerning. Obviously, nobody wants to get shorted on, you know, if they try it and they're like, oh, I didn't even feel anything. And I had two of them. Um, on the on the other hand, it, it can also, it would be concerning if people are drinking some that are maybe less than advertised and then thinking, oh, I can have this many of these. And then they try another one that isn't less than advertised and it really knocks their, their socks off. And that we just want to stay away from that issue. Yeah. And I think that happens too in the gummy world, you know, or chocolates or edibles in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're really accessible for people, but you yeah. also hear the kind of wild stories of like, you know, the person who's catatonic on the couch for three, three hours because they ate a full chocolate bar and didn't realize. Right. Yeah. So there's some of those funny stories. Um, in terms of access, like, can people get this in the, in the, um, tap room right now? And are you selling at liquor stores yet? Yeah. So we are selling in our tap room right now. It's only been out for about a week, week and a half. And both, um, you can have them there, uh, while you're present or take a six pack to go. Um, we're selling it through distribution now too. And that part, uh, really only started last week. So I couldn't even tell you where to get it if you asked yet. Uh, I wish I would be able to, but, um, so liquor stores are picking it up. Um, and then, you know, over time, definitely because unlike beer, it's not limited to being sold in as many places with a a liquor license, for example. So I think over time, you know, we hope to to be able to find it at a a wider array of locations. Yeah. Like you could be at a yoga studio or a wellness retreat, or, I mean, a coffee shop, you know, right. If you think about places where people go to relax, bookstores, yeah, it's kind of, it's cool in that it opens up this whole new way of thinking about it. You know, I wrote a cookbook that has kind of a North feel to it. And so bookstores obviously sell cookbooks, but also like all these Northern Swedish Scandinavian stores are also picking it up. It's like, wow, I have this whole other market I didn't even really think about. Right. Yeah. And I think that's uh, something that's, it's just a definitely kind of an exciting opportunity and and change of pace, you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier with how our, our overall craft beer segment and really the country, but in the state too, has kind of like not plateaued, but it's kind of feeling like, okay, there's, there's just less new opportunity out there than there used to be. And then all of a sudden this opens up and it's like, wow, there's all kinds of not only just a new product, but new channels for, for delivering that as well. So it's, yeah, it's really fun. You wonder too, I, I am sure this is going to come, but people that just specialize in THC beverages that aren't brewers necessarily, or we're going to, I'm sure we would see the mixture of um, distilleries getting into the game at some point. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I haven't even probably thought as far forward as I should have on that, but I mean, it's, it, it's not necessarily limited by any means to breweries. I mean, one advantage that existing breweries have is packaging equipment and know-how and and personnel are, are all really important and and hard to come by. So on the beverage side, at least uh, breweries are really well set up to do it. Even distilleries, even though they're beverage too, they don't 
package in quite as high right. a quantity. So it's, it's, it's a little different for them, but they certainly could do it and probably already are for all I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah. And then on the food side too, you know, I think that's, it, it'll be really interesting, like bars, like you said, and, and so on. What is happening at Fulton with food? You have the, the Airstream out there. Is it just in-house now? Is it rotating? Yeah. So we actually, uh, we built a kitchen inside the tap room. Now we don't have oh, the, the Airstream, uh, out in front there anymore. Um, so we have a fully functioning kitchen back there. We've got a great menu. We're kind of just about to turn it over for the season to some more, uh, winter seasonal appropriate stuff. But, um, like over the summer, you know, it's kind of a heavily taco and sandwich option. Um, but yeah, we have great kitchen staff, super tasty stuff, obviously built around, uh, um, pairing with with beers although yeah. now i suppose we might need to have a little bit of a munchy forward menu too yeah i mean that's another that's kind of why i asked it it leads yeah. itself to this whole other realm of food too well yeah. I, it's been a while since i've eaten with you guys so i'll have to make sure that i stop down and visit please do yeah let me know when you're coming it's uh it's great to meet you great to talk to you congratulations for being one of the first movers in this space it's going to be really interesting to see the innovations and I enjoyed meeting you and I've been a big fan. So I'll be curiously watching to see what happens here over the next couple of years as we really get full on into this space. Good luck. Yeah. Well, thanks much. And yeah, thanks for your time. It's always great okay. to chat. We'll talk soon, right. Ryan. Thanks. Yep. Bye-bye. Take care, Stephanie. Bye.